welcome to this episode of the BGSM podcast on physical activity messaging. My name is Priya Krishnasamy. I'm a consultant in sport and exercise medicine and a member of the BGSM editorial team. Today, we host Dr. Chloe Williamson. Chloe is a postdoctoral fellow in physical activity for health based at the Physical Activity for Health Research Center at the University of Edinburgh. Her research, including her PhD over the last four years or so, has focused on physical activity communication and messaging. I thought we'll start our chat today by summarizing the work on physical activity messaging. You've also published recently on the framework behind physical activity messaging. Would you mind expanding a little on your work in this area? Yeah, of course. Um, so the physical activity messaging framework was developed after in my initial PhD study, which was a review around physical activity messaging. And that review was really broad and it just sort of scoped out basically everything we knew about physical activity messaging today and where the key gaps were. Um, and there were some key pieces of rationale that came out from that review that led me to think developing a framework for messaging would be really helpful. So the first thing was that I found it was really complex. Area of study, it was more complex than I thought it was when I first started. And I also found it was an area of rapidly growing interest. So I knew that improving practice and messaging at this time seemed really important. Um, there hadn't really been any attempts to sort of organize all of the different messaging concepts into a usable format. And I felt there would be value for this sort of translational tool that could help us bring messaging, pra- messaging research into practice. Um, finally, I also found there was a sort of missing step where when people made messages, they didn't really think about what specific aims they wanted to target beyond just improve physical activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was hoping that the framework could help address some of those things. Um, so I took all of the concepts relating to physical activity messaging that I found in the review and put them into a framework Um, And that was further developed and enhanced through a Delphi study, which we had an international group of experts um, give feedback on the framework and ultimately we got consensus on it. So the framework is divided into three sections. um, And the first one sort of encourages the user to think about who their target audience is, what the context of the message is, what the specific aim of the message is, um, and then relates this, how that message might actually work or what the mechanism of it might be. And finally, it encourages the user to um, make decisions based on form of evaluation with the target audience, existing theory and evidence. And then the second section relates to what's in the message. Um, So this section is called message content. So it encourages users to think about the type of information that will be included. And in the framework, it outlines three sort of key types of information that we identified in the literature and how that information will be framed and the use of tailoring, targeting, personalization, language, choice of words, that sort of thing. And then finally, there's a third section that encourages the person using the framework to think about different delivery and format concepts. So how that information will actually be conveyed, what the media mode or channel will be, who the messenger or the provider of the message is, what the setting will be for delivery, um, and other various factors. So those are the three key sections of the framework. And within three, within each of the three sections, there's multiple sub-concepts to consider. Okay. Out of the three sections outlined, is there a section that is more important than the other? If there is, would you mind expanding on it? 
I wouldn't necessarily say one section is more important than the others. Um, I would definitely say that section two is where most of the research and the evidence lies. So around what's actually in a message, the message content. And I would also say that section one is the most overlooked section. Um, and indeed, that was one of the key reasons that we created the framework was that people weren't really thinking about those aspects within section one. Um, what I would say is the most important thing is that the framework is used sequentially so that the decisions made in sections two and three are informed by the considerations that you, the user has made in section one. So that, that means that the decisions based on what will be in the message, the decisions around what will be in the message and how it will be delivered should be based on what the target audience has said, how they feel, what the context of it is, um, and then existing theory and um, existing evidence as well. So it should be used in that each of the sections should inform the next. And I think that's probably a key take-home message rather than one section being more important than, than the others. And I think using it in that way would ensure that the message is evidence-based and really focused on the target audience. How would you suggest these sections to be used by a busy healthcare professional? So it's interesting when we think about um, healthcare professionals talking to patients because and this is one of the things with the framework is you have to consider some of the decisions in the frameworks most of the time will have already been made. Yeah. So if you are a healthcare professional and you're talking to your patient, section three around format and delivery essentially becomes non-important because it's already been decided. This is going to be a face-to-face -face communication. Um, and so things around use of images and use of music and all of that stuff's out of the picture at this point. Um, so face-to-face -face communication um, really would, should focus on the first two sections, I would say, because section three, those, those decisions are not as relevant if you're talking face-to-face. -face. So that's a sort of different type of communication than what we're sometimes talking about when we say messaging. Um, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because uh, I think most people focus on to section three, which is message format and delivery, as yeah. opposed to the first two sections. Yeah, So, if, and I think uh, we say that in our papers that, you know, Obviously, in an ideal world, you would work through the framework one bit at a time and you would have a team of people with different expertise and you would consider all the concepts. But in reality, it's not feasible all the time. So sort of exploring how to use it in a more light touch way um, is really important. But I would say that um, there are some key things from our research that people can keep in mind when they're just talking about physical activity with whoever they may be talking about it with, with their patients um, in a face-to-face -face situation. So the, the first thing I would advise is using these positive and game-framed communications. So highlighting the benefits of physical activity rather than the consequences of inactivity. And that's come through in the research quite consistently. The second thing, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more, is highlighting more short-term benefits of physical activity um, and quite a lot of the benefits we see highlighted in traditional messaging communication relate to what we find important as healthcare professionals and academics risk of diabetes risk of heart disease um, and risk of cancer things like that long-term physical health conditions but that might not necessarily be what the patient is interested in and the research around messaging generally supports highlighting these more short-term benefits which tend to be more related to mental and social health and um, because there aren't really that many immediate or short-term physical health benefits it's more to do with mental and social health 
And I would encourage anyone who's delivering communications or messages to where they can tap into what's important to that specific individual. So if you have some information about them, if you have some context about what's important to them, you can use this to provide more tailored communications. And these generally are more effective than um, generic communications that because it increases the salience and they feel like it's relevant and important to them then if it's tailored to them. And finally, um, really, re really recent research that we did um, into the into messaging and communication of healthcare professionals about um, weight, and specifically in pregnant women, um, gave us some insights into the importance of avoiding um, judgmental tones, um, avoiding language like you should do this, you need to do this, or you must do this, um, and rather suggestions of what they could do or what they might want to do. Um, and also being empathetic with the patient and understanding, showing some understanding of um, difficulties they might have and addressing physical activity, behaviour change and that sort of thing. So less judgmental, more empathetic, um, positive messages and highlight those more short term outcomes related to physical activity. How different do you think is physical activity messaging versus messaging around other pillars of health and well-being? So, as we know, physical activity is a huge contributor to non-communicable disease. I mean, it's right up there. Um, and I think that getting communication right about physical activity messaging, I mean, any messaging about any health behaviour is tricky. Um, and for each one, it's a little bit different. And there definitely seems to be a difference in how we communicate what we would call risky behaviours versus non-risky behaviours. So how we communicate, for example, about smoking or not wearing a seatbelt would be different than how we communicate about physical activity um, and eating well, because those are things that we want people to engage in rather than things we don't want people to engage in. And so the tactics we use are slightly different. Um, and I think that's where that, the positive side is really important because we're not trying to scare someone into being physically active. We're trying to motivate them to, to want to be physically active and engage in that positive behaviour. Um, and I think probably as a whole so far, physical activity communication is one we've sort of failed on. Um, I mean, if we take it down to knowledge, if we think about the number of people that know what the physical activity guidelines are compared to, for example, how many people know we should eat five a day, it's probably quite a stark difference. Um, and arguably more important than that is sort of people's perceptions and attitudes of physical activity. And I think some of the damage has been done um, unintentionally by previous communications that we've had because communication and messaging is really powerful but this whole no pain no gain type message um, has potentially led to people thinking physical activity is difficult unenjoyable it's a punishment for if you eat too much um, it's a way to burn off calories rather than it's a way to enjoy yourself, have fun, feel better. Um, and I think using the more evidence-based evidence -based approaches that the research is um, shedding light on now as, it, as the evidence base grows um, will contribute to creating these more positive perceptions and attitudes towards physical activity. And ultimately, we would hopefully then see people change their behaviour and take up the physical activ activity opportunities that are available to them because, because they want to. Um, so yeah, I think a little bit of the damage has been done, but hopefully we can, we're starting to turn it around now um, and realise types of things we should be saying and the types of things we definitely shouldn't be saying. Absolutely. Um, that's really good points that you've highlighted there. Um, 
How do you think we can engage different partners, for example, the media, public health departments, to work together on effective physical activity messaging? We, we, we're starting to realise, and we see it in policy and um, practice, that messaging and communication is important. Um, and we need to use them carefully to achieve our public health aims. Um, and we see this in recent years in the World Health Organization Global Action Plan for Physical Activity. And um, this is an area that's been recognized as important. Um, and ISPA's, that's the International Society of Physical Activity and Health, ISPA's eight best investments that count towards physical activity. Public education and communication now has it is its own investment, and it got added as an investment. The new global physical activity guidelines that came out from World Health Organization in 2020, um, they've acknowledged and had a separate paper for the first time around the importance of communication. The UK CMO guidelines that came out in 2019, they had for the first time an expert committee that was dedicated to trying to understand how we could better communicate it. So we are seeing this shift. Um, and most recently that I'm aware of Public Health Scotland are using the principles from my research and my framework to develop a communications framework for the guidelines for Scotland and put those eight best investments into a Scottish context. And I think it's not so much that everybody needs to do the same message, um, but if everybody can draw on these similar principles, developing messages based on evidence and that are important, that are based on what the target audience wants to see, um, then we'll see improved practice. But I'm really optimistic, based even just since I've been researching this area, um, the importance of communication and messaging, we, we see it being acknowledged more and more um, and definitely not something that can be just overlooked. So I'm very optimistic that people are embracing it and we are getting people on board. How can someone listening get involved? Um, well, in line with the principles of the framework, I would encourage anybody who's listening and is actively involved in their role in physical activity communication and messaging um, to just try and keep your target, your focus on the target audience, whether that's an individual or a group, and think carefully about what you want to achieve with your message or your communication. Um, consider carefully what type of information you think they want to hear. Do you think they need to hear about the benefits? Do you think that they need practical advice? Um, be careful about your choice of words and tone and impact that might have. Um, and if it's applicable, so if it's not a face-to-face -face communication, you can think carefully about what delivery and format options will suit them best. So those are, the, those are in the most simple terms, of the principles from the framework. Um, and I think, yeah, if, if people can use them in a day-to-day -day basis as much as they can um, and just think about the, the potential outcome and impact of the message or the communication that they're delivering, then, yeah, that would be my main advice for how someone listening can get involved beyond go, go and read the, the papers that we've written because that's, that's not fun for anybody. <laughs> that's great, Chloe. Um, that's good tips there. And also, I think you mentioned earlier, isn't it, framing the messages positively and also focusing on the on the short-term benefits um, as well. So that's great. And how do you think we can make physical activity attractive, in your so opinion? I think, um, this is the big one. This is the question that we want the answer to. And I think we do now have some insights from research um, on how we can do this. And hopefully this body of research is just going to continue to grow. So hopefully in the coming years, and we are seeing more and more studies relating to physical activity messaging come out and hopefully we'll just get more and more insight into how we can make physical activity as attractive as possible. 
Um, but this links back to some of the stuff I was saying before around what we choose to highlight in messages. And I think what's really important and what I always say when I'm talking about messaging is that we need to remember that what's important to us as academics, as healthcare professionals or other professionals, as government officials and policymakers is that um, yeah, what's important to us is, is not necessarily what's important to the public or to our patients or to whoever we're trying to change behaviour in. Um, and so we need to um, sort of disconnect what, what we want to achieve, which is improved health, reduced non-communicable disease risk, from what the what will actually motivate people to be physically active. Um, and traditionally, physical activity communications have naturally focused on reducing risk of disease, getting fitter, getting healthy. These longer term physical benefits, because they do tend to be or, or in the past at the forefront of our research and what we're trying to achieve in terms of health, public health. And um, so th those those messages sort of leak into the, the public messaging. Um, and I think that's understandable. But over the past few years, as the research into messaging has, has grown, we, like I say, we found support for highlighting these more short-term benefits of physical activity. And naturally, these relate more to mental and social health. Um, so things like improved mood, feeling better, spending time with loved ones, having fun, enjoying yourself. Um, and myself and my colleague, Dr. Paul Kelly, who I think you'll be speaking to at some other point, who was my PhD supervisor, we've often compared physical activity promotion to Coca-Cola branding and promotion. And Coca-Cola do this thing where they say, open a bottle of happiness, um, that type of thing. And we sometimes say, can you imagine if, if they tried to get you to buy Coca-Cola by promoting some sort of benefit that you wouldn't see or experience for 10, 15, 20 years? It's just there's a reason that they don't do that. And I think the the reasons why these types of messages are more appealing, um, the short-term benefit messages can be explained at least partially by um, theory. And when we look at different theories of motivation, and I won't go into it too much because it's probably quite boring. <laughs> but the the bottom line is that people tend to do things because they want to do them. Um or in other words, because they're motivated to do them. And if someone doesn't want to do something, they won't do it. And where that want to do something or that motivation to do something comes from, it can have different sources. So some people might want to do something because they've learned that it's good for them and they've thought about it for a long time and they've reflected on it and they've made an informed decision to take part in that, that behavior because they know it's good for them. Um, but there's this other type of motivation that's more... Um, automatic or intrinsic and you do something just because you want to um, impulsively because it's fun and you enjoy it and not because someone else says you should do it but just because you want to and, that, and that's who you are and, and you like it and it feels good um, and we see from research in psychological theory that that type of motivation is really good for taking part in physical activity and maintaining physical activity so if we can tap more into that more automatic and intrinsic motivation with our messages by highlighting, here's what you can get out of being physically active right now. Like, here's how it's going to make you feel. Here's why you're going to enjoy it. Um, then we might have a bit more success than telling them they're going to reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease in 15 years' time. Um, and exactly what those short-term benefits that we promote look like will depend on what's important to that person or that group. Um, so it might be a little bit different depending on who your message is for. 
But generally, what's important to that group is is not likely going to be those long-term physical health benefits for most people. For some groups, that might be really what 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 motivates them. But for most people, um, I'm not sure that that's that's the right option. Absolutely, I agree. And um, you know, it needs to be tailored, isn't it? The advice because every person's different, and their intrinsic motivations vary as well. So mm-hmm. yes, I agree. Um, so. Just, uh, just in terms of yourself, Chloe, uh, what's what's the next step for you? Um, so I am continuing my messaging research post PhD, which is great because I, d- I don't want to drop that ball quite just yet. Um, and I think the first thing for me, my first priority, is to develop a more user friendly version of my framework, um, because I think that's really important for translation of this research. So a more uh, user-friendly sort of simplified tool that different people like healthcare professionals and um, other professionals, practitioners can pick up and use in their day-to-day practice um, so that they don't need, so it's not in, in situations where I can't be involved in that message development. Um, it's it's easier and um, more accessible for people to use. So that's, that's my sort of priority at the minute is just getting that resource ready. Um, and in longer term, I would absolutely love to work on a larger scale project where messages are developed, implemented and evaluated um, using the physical activity messaging framework, because this is something that I never had time to do in my PhD. But obviously such, <laughs> such things are, um, require uh, large projects, require large funding. So we'll see if that dream comes true. But um, yeah, that would be great. Implement and evaluate the, the messages that are developed. Those are great plans. So I I wish you best of luck in all of that. And um, thank you again for uh, agreeing to come on to um, the podcast and to talk to us about uh, what you've been doing. Um, It's been uh, really enlightening and uh, you've really summarized your work really well. Um, And uh, I, I wish you best of luck with everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. Thank you everyone for listening and I wish you all a physically active day.